Welcome to PantherCast, the official podcast of TMI Episcopal, where we share stories from our alumni, updates about the school, and help you reconnect and discover what the TMI community is all about. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of TMI's PantherCast podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Director of Community Relations. Today, I'm pleased to bring you the audio of our most recent Senior Chapel Talks by Trinity Walker, Kelly Jung, and Alec Nyman, TMI Class of 2019. Remember, we'd love to hear your feedback on the podcast. Email us at panthercast at tmi-sa.org or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Now, enjoy this Senior Chapel Talk by Trinity Walker. Good morning. Today, I would like to share with you the untold stories of my six years attending TMI. They're scary, they're scandalous, and they involve a little thing we all spend countless hours trying to avoid, failure. I started at TMI as a seventh grader, fresh from homeschool, trying to figure out my way around a new campus and a new social network of students, teachers, and staff. Eager to blend into the TMI community, I took risks by joining clubs and sports, not realizing at that time the profound effect these after-school activities would have on my life and character. Two experiences in particular not only changed my TMI experience, but changed my outlook as a young adult, shaping how I viewed failure and how I valued people around me which I have come to realize are two crucial life skills. The first experience happened in the sweltering Texas heat during cross-country preseason training. Every Friday, the team would go across the street to Friedrich Park to do hill repeats. If you have ever visited Friedrich Park, you know it's peaceful and serene and also has a monstrous uphill that only a few dare to run and leaves everyone panting for air when they get to the top. As a new member of the team, I had no idea what I was in for. I thought we were going to run the entire trail, not take the 150 meter section of the trail that is the most difficult and then to continue to run up it as fast as we could till we nearly died. <laughs> With every jog up the hill, my lungs ached as my body begged for more oxygen than I could breathe in. Every time I got to the top, I felt accomplished standing in a clearing with a view of the whole city. But then I realized my other teammates had just finished their fifth climb, and I was only on my third. Defeated and embarrassed were the best ways to describe how I felt. I clearly was not keeping up. So the feeling of failure started to creep in. I wasn't good enough to be on this team. I wasn't fast enough or athletic enough. Then, at the bottom of the hill, trying to catch my breath, before the next round, one of our team captains came up and gave me a fist bump and said, you've got this, keep pushing through the pain. I had never been part of a team before where people encouraged me when I was failing. I was used to the environment, if you were the last, the slowest, the weakest, the other teammates were angry and frustrated with you. Having someone who is not only a fellow team member, but a team captain come over and tell me, I've got this, I could do this, 
made me not only feel, for the first time, a part of a team, but a valued member. Being supported, even when I was not succeeding, made a huge impact on my mindset. Not only did I find the energy I didn't think I had to finish the last rounds, but I also wanted to prove my team captain right. Early in my TMI career, I experienced another type of failure and embarrassment. Although I have the honor of being the battalion executive officer, the journey to get here had a very rough start. This is because six years ago, I could not figure out how to march in step. In fact, I failed the cadet training test seven times. Yes, seven whole times before I passed. A person has to pass this particular test if they want to do anything in the Corps, such as be promoted, be on special teams, and most importantly, not have to wake up before the sun rises to be here at school. If I had given up, if I had let that repeated failure tell my story rather than choose what I wanted for my future, I would have never been a cadet in the Corps. I would have never learned what a carabiner tastes like. And when I say tasted carabiner, I'm referring to the time when I broke my front tooth on a Saturday morning Raider team practice a week before military ball. Now just imagine how classy those military photos would have turned out. I would have never had to memorize the 200 questions that are needed to go up for the master sergeant board. And lastly, I would have never become as close with some of the people I now consider family and lean on for support. Failure is an inevitable part of life. Sometimes it's failing a test or not getting the grade we thought after all those hours of studying. Sometimes it's struggling to march in step, even if everyone else around you seems to get it easily. Or sometimes it's wondering if you are ever gonna finish that hill workout while the sun beats down on your back. We have to learn how to deal with failure in a way that doesn't make us give up but instead helps us find a new level of energy, mental or physical, to push through towards our goals. We also need to realize that we are not the only ones failing. The person sitting next to us has or is going through their own difficult experience. So it's our responsibility to be an encouragement and remind them, you've got this, when they may be ready to give up. Only then will we be able to accomplish our biggest dreams and wildest goals. Thank you, TMI. Our second featured chapel talk is by Kelly Jung. I love hot showers. I love the smell of soil when it rains in the forest, and I love Korean instant noodles for the life of me. Although love is a concept that is told and taught differently from one person to the next, I know these for sure. It's so straightforward with the pleasure it brings me and the pain it does not. However, with people is so much more complex. You think you love someone, but then you question what that even means because you don't know what it is. As teenagers, we are told to love others by our parents, mentors, and priests, but when we actually do and feel these intense emotions, we're told by the same people that we don't know what it means to be in love just yet. Then when exactly do we figure it out? 
No one knows what it is entirely, but here some love is and is not to help you figure out how to live a life of love. Love is not chocolate or diamonds or roses. Love is kindness. Kindness can be in form of random acts of kindness in which you can be nice to someone else by holding the door or a simple compliment. As much as that makes you a kind person generally, however, we often forget to be kind to ourselves and those close to us. Believing that you are deserving of love is the most important step to loving others. You don't need Prince Charming to come along to make you feel worth it. You are worth it because God created you. Even though humans can be a pain in the rear because we never seem to stay on the path to goodness. Although our wavering faith and sinful nature makes us the exact opposite of a worthwhile investment, he continues to love and care for us until the end. When you believe this, then you can start sharing that warm and fuzzy feeling with others. Be there for your friends and family when they're going through some bad times, but also share the craziness and joy when good stumbles upon. Be a listener, be a generous stranger, be a lover. Love is not a grandiose, specially reserved thing only real couples know and have. Love is innately within us, as we were made in the image of God. Love is being deeply seen, vulnerably seen. It's putting yourself out there without the guarantee that they'll reciprocate or even accept. It's uncomfortable, but it spreads like a wildfire as soon as it sparks. Just like how you start paying more attention and even liking the guy who has a crush on you in middle school, the first step is so simple, yet so crucial. Whether you're looking for a partner in crime or a best friend who will be the maid of honor at your wedding, well, all we need to ask is risk the awkward feeling because love spurs growth, hope, happiness, understanding, passion, and beauty. In romantic scenarios, love isn't magical. You don't hear bells when you first kiss the person you think is the one or make you feel like you're walking on air, even though Jane Virgin made it seem pretty real when she realized her love for Michael. Love may seem lukewarm or casual, unlike the unrealistic standards, but that is completely normal. Wanting more than what it actually is only pushes you down toward the vicious cycle of unhappiness. Ladies, he won't get what you want, or mean. It's annoying, but you'll have to take the time to explain. Gents, love is messy, and so are girls. Just like you, they throw socks on their ready-made pile on the floor. Magic is for you to experience in Disney, not in real life love. Finally, love is TMI. I know it's a huge statement, but I wholeheartedly stand by it. Some moments on this campus have been the most difficult, emotionally draining ones for me. However, if you take a look around, you will see love surrounding you all around. Mr. Friedrich's three-part poem readings for AP Bio class is love. Choir's self-propelled efforts to sing for Mr. Loach when he was away is love. 
my seventh grade peer mentors coming up to me to tell me about their new horse or even their new show on Netflix is love. DC's specialized birthday goodies is love. Bailey girls sleepovers is love. Golf team's annual celebration of Mr. Hamilton's birthday, despite the underlying feuds, is love. Ms. Keeler's welcoming come in to every student who enters the dorm is love. Even Colonel Drake pointing out that you'll probably get a two on your AP exam is love. <laughs> love is when I give you a candle for your birthday because it's not the least risky, easiest gift, but because the exact scent is perfect for you. Love is when I make pizza dough for Bailey girls, even though it gets my nails dirty. Love is when I let you cry on my sheets with your shoes on, despite the fact that shoes are never allowed on my sheets. Love is this easy. Why not start today? Thank you. And now, please enjoy our final chapel talk for today by Alec Nyman. Summer had officially started and they were leaving for the vacation the next day. Tuscany in the summer. I'd only been to Italy in the winter, so I couldn't wait. The day began as a cheerful celebration of my sister's fifth grade graduation, but ended with 16 red-faced police officers with guns drawn around my home, surrounding a mad woman waving a pistol in the air. Seeking safety and watching the surveillance cameras on my mom's iPhone, me, my mom, and two of my sisters crouched in my mother's closet with the doors tied shut using an iPhone charger cable. This is impossible, I thought to myself. How could this be happening to us? That woman, seated on a bench near my front porch, was my grandmother, my nana. I thank God that I couldn't see her hands cuffed. I, I don't think I could bear it. As you all know, I am Alec Nyman, and I spent the last six years of my life at TMI. This is quite possibly the first time many of you have ever heard me speak more than 10 words at a time. I admit it, I am a bit on the shy side, except on the football field. So, so being that this may be the only time you hear me speak, you may want to pay attention. <laughs> it was well known that Nana had suffered from bipolar disorder for many years, including a brief mental hospital stay when I was around eight years old. At the time, she was suffering from a deep depression, which is never a surprise for someone with bipolar disorder. Bipolar disorder is characterized by extended periods of mania or extremely energetic phases, usually followed by a severe depression. The only problem is, when a person is manic, they are too excited to sleep, too hyper to carry on a conversation, and too motivated to finish any one of their thousands of projects. I remember watching Nana repaint the walls in her home at midnight, clean the gutters by the lights of her car, and even make 50 aprons to give us gifts in a single week. This woman was the most loving, caring, and giving grandmother, but I always knew something wasn't right. I saw her incredibly happy and even have more energy than I did at 10 years old, but I also saw her cry and feel completely hopeless. 
Even at my young age, I understood that the extremes that I witnessed from her were not natural, and I began to realize that she was getting worse. Nana regularly saw a psychiatrist and a psychologist who followed her neurochemical levels and closely monitored medications. The only problem with this treatment plan is that her doctors relied on her accountability for actually taking the medications. Now, it's important to note that the medications used for this illness attempt to create a more consistent mood, therefore lowering the height of the manic phase and raising the depth of the depressive phase. Bipolar patients like being in a manic state, so I can tell you that Nana did not take her medications regularly because the more consistent mood of an oral person felt dreadfully dull, colorless, and dead to her. Another reason why she was so unsuccessful with her treatments for her disorder was that she was ashamed of her own diagnosis. Nana, like many, was not open about her struggles with her disease and over the years became a very skilled actress, convincing everyone that she was better. Sadly, mental illness is still viewed by society as a weakness of character or an inability to cope in life. This couldn't be farther from the truth. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the last time I checked, the brain is an organ just like the heart or the lungs. So, why can't a person visit a cardiologist or a pulmonologist without concern, while visiting a psychiatrist is considered taboo? There's a real problem here. Millions of Americans, young and old, suffer in silence, too embarrassed or fearful to ask for help because they feel as though mental illness will label them as crazy or weak. After the events of that summer, my family learned that Nana suffered from two additional mental diagnoses, including borderline personality disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder. We were shocked when we heard this. The more we learned about these diagnoses, the scarier it became, and we soon found ourselves isolated and hopeless. In my short life, I have seen a great amount of pain and suffering because of Nana's untreated mental illness. I've witnessed my grandparents' 43-year marriage end in a divorce, and I no longer have contact with her as she waits her trial. At the moment, my grandmother faces three felony charges, including two counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and one count of attempted aggravated kidnapping. I didn't mention it earlier, but the most painful image I can re remember from that summer day was my baby sister, only seven years old at the time, running out to my grandmother's car to meet her. This was normal for Arden, as she was very close to her Nana. What Arden did not know in her innocence was that Nana had just left her home three blocks away after firing several shots at her own husband, my dadal. My parents, who were also at the other house, had been right, were right behind my grandmother, and while my mom entered the house through the back to rush me and my sisters to safety, my dad came to the driveway to coax my little sister to his car. He had already spotted the gun in Nana's hand and knew the situation was dire. Eventually, thank, thankfully, however, my dad and little sister were able to escape my, to my dad's car and leave. Knowing that my sister and dad were safe, I was left fearing for my life and the lives of my sisters and mom as my grandmother attempted to enter every door of the house. Meanwhile, my sister's phone was in constant connection with the 911 operator who helped talk us through the situation, not only for our own safety, but for the safety of the police officers that are heading our way. As we watched my grandmother pace along the exterior of our home with her gun, we kept the police updated on her position. Still, 
When they arrived and opened the gate to our home, she was standing, she was standing there, facing them with a the gun raised. As I watched the police stumble in response, I couldn't help but pray that no one would be hurt. There's probably so much more I could say about this day, but I doubt we had time. What I can tell you is that my grandmother's car was packed with food, supplies, and a lot of ammunition. She, in her crazy mind, had some sort of escape plan. Most likely it involved taking my little sister, but other than that, I was not sure. Nana called my mom's cell phone several times while we hid in the closet that day. In one of the voicemails, she said, I just want you to know that I love you, and I'm so sorry it has to end this way. Hearing those words spoken by my precious Nana made me feel like I could have done more, or the world could have been more supportive of mental illness. I despise the way that mental illness is portrayed as a character flaw or weakness. It's not right, and it has to be addressed. I cannot sit idly by as people with untreated mental illness choose to commit suicide or do terrible acts rather than seek psychiatric help. I want people to hear my pain and feel the suffering that my family has gone through and understand that mental illness is nothing to be ashamed of. My family has spent the last year and a half trying to piece together our life, and we love every second that we have with each other. There is no better reminder of how much a person means to you than facing a moment of losing them forever. I have lost my sweet Nana for now. I don't know what her future holds, and I'm not sure when or if I can ever trust her again. I can tell you that although I may not know many of you that well, I would never wish this journey upon any of you. If you ever feel as though you can't pull yourself out of a deep darkness, or you feel hopeless, embarrassed, or lost, never hesitate to ask for help. Your mental health is just as important, if not more important, than the health of your heart and lungs. Treasure your loved ones and listen to those around you. Hear their pain and be the support others seek. You may just save a life. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TMI's PantherCast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback and show ideas, so leave us a comment, email, or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter using at TMI Episcopal. For more news, ways to connect, and to learn about upcoming events on campus, visit our website at www.tmi-sa.org.